a new business was opening in town and one of the owner's friends wanted to send flowers for the occasion. So when the owner got the flowers, he read the card and it said, rest in peace. So his friend found out about this and he was not very happy. So he called the florist to complain. And the lady on the phone was very apologetic and, and the man could sense that she was almost starting to cry on the other end. So he was sorry for what he said and became, he began to kind of qualify his complaints and to say to her, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, you know, things like that. Mistakes can happen. To which the florist replied, it is bad, sir. Just picture this. Right now, somewhere in the city, there is a funeral and they have flowers with a note saying, congratulations on a new location. Something we see at play here is that actions have consequences of their own, quite aside from the intentions. Uh, obviously, the florist had no intention to send the wrong note in the wrong place, uh, but that could still cause a lot of trouble and really you know, ruin someone's day. So if you want to get an action right, both things are important. It's important to have the right action and the right intention. And this seems pretty clear and evident. Yet, in many Catholic circles, at times it's, it's, it's as if these two things were uh, played against each other, actions and intentions. And some people would say, well, to be a good Catholic, you need to do the right things. You just need to you know, do your duty, go to Mass, say your prayers, you know, follow the basic rules. Whether your heart is in it or not, that's, that doesn't really matter. Well, other people may say the opposite. No, 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 no. That's not what it is about. The key thing is to be sincere, to do things from the heart. It doesn't matter if you follow all the rules. Just do things in an authentic manner. But I think that today's readings are God's way of saying, as in sort of a reply to these two positions, it's actually both. To get it right, you need to do the right thing and have the right intention. So let's start with one of them. Take, for example, the first reading from the second book of Kings today. It's the story of Naaman, the Syrian general who was healed from his leprosy by the prophet Elisha. You know, Naaman is the spiritual but not religious kind of person, if you want. You know, he thinks in matters of faith, follow your heart, be spontaneous. You know, don't, don't talk to me about this nonsense about rituals and doctrines, be authentic. And he's got his own ideas on how he is to be healed. So when he, the prophet Elisha asked him to go to the Jordan River and bathe himself seven times, he's quite upset. He says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't want to do it that way. I thought he would come in personally to me. He would lay his hands on me and pray, and that's the way I should be healed. So he was about to angrily turn around and go back home. And his servant kind of convinced him to, to do what the prophet was telling him to do. So eventually, you know, Naaman accepts, uh, he, he, he is convinced and goes to the Jordan River. And that's where we come to the passage we heard today in the first reading. He bathes himself seven times, times and is healed from the leprosy. To his credit, he turns around completely. He acknowledges, you know, I was wrong. Obviously, if you want God to listen to your petition, first you need to be willing to listen to what God is saying to you, you know, even if it seems to go against your sensibility and your expectations initially. 
If I may use a bold example here, it reminds me of a scene in the movie Karate Kid, which is repeated now in the sequel, you know, Cobra Kai. It's as if God here was doing something like Mr. Miyagi with tra in training Daniel, or later on as Daniel in training Robbie. None of the two understood why they had to do all these strange things, like polishing all these cars and painting the fence and cleaning the windows. But later, they came to realize that those, those were the basis for their karate technique. And the lesson is quite simple. Initially, you need to trust your teacher. Initially, you need to trust God. You may wonder, why do I need to do all these things? Why do I need to go to Mass every Sunday? Go to confession, it's so embarrassing. Why do I need to learn the catechism? Why, do, why say these prayers, the rosary, and so on? Trust God as your teacher. Do the training. Do the drill. You will later understand how it all fits together. Don't try to, you know, just jump ahead of the gun. Just do what the Lord knows is good. It's going to be good. It's going to develop the right heart in you. So that's one position. But then it so happens that we can so easily jump to the other extreme in things. And, and now think it's, well, it's, it's simply about discipline, right? It's just about doing the things. The heart doesn't matter. Almost like these men who were healed today. They portray the very religious kind of people. No, they do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. Off they go to present themselves to the priest. They, they don't complain. But then they go on very cold-heartedly. They just continue. You know, they are healed and they just don't say even thank you. That was remarkable. They just keep going. You know, even Naaman did better than that. Even Naaman, a pagan. And Jesus was kind of disappointed. You sense the surprise in his voice. How come? What's, going, what's wrong with these people, he, he, he might be saying. Why can, how can they be so emotionally disengaged? A bit of spontaneity. And he's disappointed, not because they're not, they're not doing the right things, but because the, the fruit of doing the right things is supposed to be to develop the right feelings and the right passions also, the right attitudes. You know, regular prayers and mass and confession and scripture are a means to foster in us Devotion, like humility, flexibility, love of neighbor, obedience, and so on. You know, so it's no, no guarantee to be a good disciple of Christ to say, well, I just did my duty, just fulfilled all my chores, uh, when my heart has remained unchanged. There's no joy, there's no love, there's no passion there. What might be called the problem of spiritual numbness, just going through the motions while my heart is not in it. If you ever feel that way, it's easy to be tempted to think, that's just the way I am. You know, I'm not religious. I, I just don't feel it. And I don't think that's the case. Because we're, we are all naturally religious. We are made for relationship, not for numbness. No one is made to be emotionally numb. You know, we just, just we, we may end up feeling that way because of fears and wounds and lack of love in our lives, or lack of interest, and so on. But precisely one of the great promises of God, it is, he will take away that numbness. He says through Ezekiel, I will take away their stony hearts and give them natural hearts. I will take away their stony hearts and give them new hearts 
natural hearts. He promises to restore that spiritual and emotional uh, wholesomeness. Someone that stands to me as a great example of balance in this between, you know, kind of cold compliance and, and emotionalism, if you want, these two extremes, is uh, St. John Henry Newman, who was canonized earlier today by Pope Francis. Um, Newman was a great, great Anglican scholar, a great mind who shocked the world when he became Catholic towards the, mid, the you know, middle of his life. Uh, and Newman considered that emotions are essential in a journey of faith. Are a, that's a, comp a component of human life. You cannot do without them. You need passions. You need emotions. So it's natural that when, when faith grows and you perceive God as someone real and someone who loves you and care and watches over you, that, that feelings will start to grow. That joy and love and humility and, and, and you know, affection, that love for God will start to develop in your heart. But at the same time, he will say, those feelings are wholesome and balanced when they correspond to an objective reality that is out there. That's the measure of it. Feelings are never sound when they're completely exaggerated and out of touch. You know, there's just a huge turmoil when nothing's really going on out there or in other people. And, or also when, when there's an impressive reality in front of me and I don't, there's no reaction in me. There's no emotional response. You know, so he says, feelings are sound when they are, that subjective reaction corresponds to what, what is there. And that's precisely why faith, a well-formed faith, is so important to shape emotions in the right way, Newman would say. He, he once wrote in his biography, he says, quote, religion as a mere sentiment is to me a dream and a mockery. As well can there be filial love without the fact of a father, as devotion without the fact of a supreme being. End of quote. So he, he kind of struck this right balance between, you know, emotionalism or kind of cold obedience. So as a practical takeaway this week, maybe think about this topic. Which, are, which one of these ex extremes uh, is my temptation or my, my weakness? Where do I gravitate towards? Oh, maybe at times it happens in both ways, in different circumstances. Maybe inside of me there's a little naman. It's all spontaneity and no, no discipline, no habits, no plan, no structure. Just have to feel it all the time. Or maybe I'm like these men who were healed and Jesus is surprised at me saying like, Why, how can your heart be so disengaged? How can you be so distracted or not? not respond in your emotions to this. Would Jesus be a sort of Mr. Miyagi for me, kind of tracing a plan of discipline for my spiritual life, or would he try to jumpstart my heart and give me a natural heart, as he promised through Ezekiel? Well, talk to Jesus about this. Take this topic to have a conversation with God and just open your heart about it and see what you learn, what insights you get from that. Write them down. Keep that paper with you throughout this week. Um, we need to keep those things and kind of go back to them, go back to the insights that the Lord gives us in prayer. Those are like the, you know, the soil that Naaman takes with him. When he experiences God's presence, he says, I want to take this soil. So where, wherever I am, I go back to that holy ground where God showed his face to me. So do the same. Pray, take these insights, write them down, 
and take that with you as kind of the holy ground that you're going to go back to when you need to reconnect with Christ throughout, throughout this week.